are joining us for the first time today, you're getting a little bit of insight about who we are uh, together at Braco, at our church, um, because we're finishing a series right now called We Are, and throughout this series, we've been looking all, uh, we've been looking at who we are together as a church. What is the, the flavor and feel of our church here um, at Braco? And although this is something that's uh, going to be important for our church, I'm really praying that this morning that God will speak to every single one of us because what we're speaking about this morning is relevant to uh, all, all churches. Over the, uh, these five weeks, we've been seeing that our church here, the things that we value, the things that kind of define us here together are family, grace, uh, diversity, authenticity, and this morning we're going to be speaking about advancement. And online you can catch up and see uh, all of these different messages if you would like to uh, catch up um, on any of this. Uh, Now, what do we mean when we say advancement? This isn't a word that we would use all the time, and yet I would say it's a theme that comes up pretty regularly throughout Scripture. Um, So what do we mean when we say this? Well, we mean that we believe the church should be on the move. We won't get complacent or comfortable We will go wherever God calls us. And this was something that came out of our church towards the end of last year. There was a lot of uh, feedback that we got to try and understand what our church uh, values. And this was something that came out really, really clearly as we understood more of the heart of our church. This wasn't just concocted or come up with in uh, in one of our offices. There was prayer and thought and feedback that came into this. And it was so clear that advancement, not being comfortable or complacent, but going wherever God calls us, it was so clear that this is something that our church values together. And it is something that I think we see as a theme all throughout the entirety of Scripture. I would say uh, one of the first commands, the very first command actually, that God ever gives to His people speaks towards this theme of advancement. The very first commandment that God ever chooses to give his people is in Genesis 1:28. And this is prior to the fall. This is what God calls his people to do, to be fruitful and increase in number, to fill the earth, to go everywhere and subdue it. This is one of the first things that God commands his people to do, to, uh, to advance and, uh, and fill the earth and then subdue it. Now, later on in Genesis 11, we see um, the, uh, all people from, from around the world breaking this commandment and they all come together. They decide to build this big tower, thinking that they are able to, to reach up to God. They, um, they're all in one place Uh, And they don't respond to this. They don't spread out throughout the world being fruitful and subduing the earth. And so God decides to to do something about this. So to help his people to advance across the entire world, he creates languages. So at this point, during the Tower of Babel, every single person, the different people around the world um, end up with different languages. Now, later on, once again, in, uh, in the book of Uh, In the book of Exodus, um, Moses then leads his people out of slavery. They, um, uh, after a long period of time, the the Israelites are in slavery in 
in Egypt. Uh, but there was a promise for God's people, which was that they would be led out of this into the promised land that God had intended for them. Now, you would have thought that this would be um, something that all of the Israelites would be really favorable towards. But even after Moses led uh, his people out of slavery, there were many people, there were many of the Israelites who said, this is too difficult. We would rather take the easy route and go back to, into slavery rather than moving into what God has for us. They saw the promised land as an unknown and they weren't willing to go and advance towards where God was wanting them to go to. Even after they made it into the promised land, there was still, sorry about that, that's I just need to stop putting my hand in my pocket. What am I doing? Even after they made it into the promised land, there was still advancement that needed to happen. Joshua took uh, the, the Israelites throughout that country, conquering different groups throughout there. And even at that point, there were people saying, this is too hard. Maybe we should just turn back. Maybe we should go back to what we know is, is familiar and comfortable for us. This happens regularly throughout um, the Old Testament. We see God's people not really wanting to step into the things that God has for his people. They say it's too hard. We would rather do what's easy and comfortable for us. Now, these commands, they were given to God's people all throughout the Old Testament, but yet there is a, a command that is also given to us here right now today. There's a command for God's people, uh, even right now, which is to continue to advance the kingdom of God. In Acts 1, which is a really well-known passage of Scripture, many of you would be familiar with this, we see Jesus sending his disciples as his final act before he ascends into, into heaven. So if you have your Bibles, I just invite you to open up to Acts 1, verses 6 to 9. As I said, very well-known uh, passage of Scripture. It's the final uh, moment that we see with Jesus before he ascends into heaven with his, uh, with his followers. Uh, in Acts 1, verses 6 to 9, it'll be up there on the screen as well. It says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After this, so straight after he says these words, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now, these would be some of Jesus' most important words that he gives to his followers, um, in my ministry journey, one of the things I've had the opportunity to do is I've been able to sit with people um, as they've been sick in some of their final moments. And one thing you can be assured of when people are, um, are in their final moments, they choose their words very carefully. It's not casual conversation that they choose to have with you. And in this moment, before Jesus ascends back into heaven, you can be assured that his last words that he shares with his followers are probably some of the most important words that he has to share with them. He's wanting his disciples to know that he has given them a job to do. He doesn't want them to simply return to their homes and live life like they did 
uh, before they knew him. Um, yes, they've spent three years with Jesus doing ministry, but he doesn't want them to just return to what their lives used to be. He's now given them a job to do. He's given them the responsibility to share the good news of Jesus with everyone in uh, in the world. Now, Jesus' desire for his disciples was uh, was not that they would have a, a comfortable or easy life. And this was a pretty clear message that comes through much of Jesus' teaching. Um, many of you would be familiar that Jesus uh, told his disciples that you need to take up your cross and follow me. And that was a very real thing that Jesus was sharing with his people when he, uh, with his disciples when he said that to him. When he... Um, when he sent his disciples out here in this moment in, uh, in Acts 1, as he, as he told them to, uh, to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, um, there would have been things that would have um, tweaked in the, uh, in the understanding of the disciples where they would have known that if they were to do this, if they were to be Jesus' witnesses to the ends of the earth, this may mean rejection or even death for many of them. Now, this would have been a hard thing for them to have heard, to be his witnesses even to the ends of the earth. But Jesus didn't just say this to his disciples and then leave them. He said a promise to them that he would be with them even to the end of the age. You see, the thing I think that we really see clearly in this, uh, in this passage of Scripture is that God will not leave you comfortable, but he will bring you comfort. Can we just go to the next slide, please, Barb? Thank you so much. God will not leave you comfortable, but he will bring you comfort. That's the assurance that we get here as we read through Acts 1, that his spirit will be with the believer, even through times when life is not easy. Now, sometimes we, we hear verses that we love to hear, where we hear that, God, uh, that, uh, that Jesus says to his people, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy, uh, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we love to hear verses like this. We love to know that there is rest as we come uh, into the presence of God. And this is a promise from God that he will provide comfort to those who are mourning or who, uh, who are going through difficult times in their life. He will bring rest and reassurance to those who ask for it. But this doesn't mean that he wants his people to live a comfortable, easy life or to become complacent in their faith. God's intention is not for his people to reach a place of saying, we have finally made it, we have reached the end of our journey. Rather, his command here is that, um, is that we are to advance the kingdom of God until every single person in the whole world has heard about Jesus. We are to be his witnesses to the very ends of the earth. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. A little uh, history lesson for any of you who are um, history buffs. Uh, I've mentioned a few times here that I'm a, I'm a bit of a history buff. Is anyone else here a history buff? Any brigaders, history buffs? Oh, there's a couple of you. Oh, Phil, wonderful, that's great. Oh, apparently none of the adults are, though, which is a bit of a, bit of a shame. Uh, in 1914 to 1918, uh, we... Uh, well, who, who knows? What happened in 1914 to 1918? 
There you go. We do have some history buffs in the room today. Yeah, the First World War took place from 1914 to uh, 1918, and there were two weapons that the uh, soldiers would use throughout um, uh, throughout their their battle in World War One. These were their gun obviously, but the other one, which you wouldn't have really expected, was their shovel. Every soldier was given a shovel and they dug, and they dug, and they dug. There were trenches dug all along the, uh, along, uh, the French border, um, and this happened uh, for many soldiers throughout the entirety of the, of the war. And they dug two trenches, and between these two trenches, the German trench and the Allied trench, um, was, a, was a place called No Man's Land, where no one chose to, to venture. Now, the, uh, the story of the, the First World War is, uh, is marked by... Um, uh, by a lot of stalemates, there was a lot of sitting still, um, a lot of being terrified in your trench that you were in, um, and as they, uh, as they were in their trench, they had to be um, fearful of being, uh, being snipered by enemy, um, enemies in the opposite trench. Um, there would be ammunition that would come and land on their trench. Um, occasionally, they would be told to, to do raids and to, uh, to charge over the top of their trench into no man's land towards the opposite trench, and often they would be picked off during that time. But for a long period, um, trench warfare in World War I was a period of being uh, a little bit stuck, there wasn't a huge amount that they could do. They were simply there uh, in, their, in their trench. Now, about 21 years later, after, uh, after 1918, then began World War II. And in the early days of World War II, the Allies um, made the decision that they would try and use the exact same strategy that they used in World War I. So the English and the French and, the, uh, and other Commonwealth nations decided to uh, build trenches once again uh, along the border of, of France. But the Germans had a different strategy in mind. They weren't going to simply build trenches along this border and then wait for uh, battle to take place. They were going to advance as far and as fast as they possibly could. And the Germans, they managed to advance so far and so fast that they pushed the Allies all the way to the coast. If you've seen the, uh, the, the movie Dunkirk, that's what Dunkirk is all about. They're pushed to the, uh, to the edge of the coast and they made their way all, all the way to, uh, to Paris. The only thing that stopped the Germans as they advanced their way was... Um, was the water. That was the only thing that was stopping them from, uh, from moving forward. They were able to advance so far and so fast, they left the trenches uh, behind them. They didn't even need to deal with, with many of them. But there were so many, uh, they were able to advance so far and so fast that um, the drug speed was given to a lot of the German soldiers to help them to stay awake. And a lot of them were able to stay awake for three or four days. That is how fast they were moving forward and advancing um, through, uh, through the Allied territory. As I said, the only thing that stopped them was the water between the European mainland um, and, uh, and Great Britain. 
And it was only when the Allies moved from having a trench-digging mindset, deciding we're going to go for the, the slow way of doing things, we're just going to build trenches, um, and they moved into an advancement mindset that they were able to gain some real, um, some real victories. And I see this as a bit of a, um, a helpful way to understand what God has called his church to do. We're not supposed to have a digging trenches mindset. We're not supposed to just get stuck in the ways that we have always done things. We're supposed to have an advancement mindset moving into things that God has called us to do. So what do I mean when I say a, uh, a digging trenches mindset? Well, there's phrases like, this is how we've always done it. That is a, a trench-building mindset. Remember the glory days? We should do that. That's a trench-building mindset. That's too hard. What God's called us to, that's just too hard. We can't do that. That's a trench-building mindset. That idea, that can't possibly work. We've never seen it done before. That's a trench building mindset. A trench building mindset is anything that says no when God calls you to move. But an advancement mindset responds with yes when God calls you to move, irrelevant of the personal cost that it means for yourself. And that is true both personally but also corporately for us together as a church. It can be really easy to have a dig-in, trench mindset when things are, are going really well for us and we decide we're just going to stay right here because things are going well, because we like what's happening. Or it can be really easy to have a dig-in, trench mindset when things are going badly because we get fearful of what is, is happening for us. But at all times... God calls his people to follow the things that he has in store for them. And very rarely is it comfortable for his people. It requires his people to respond with uh, a yes. And this is not an easy mindset to have. Can we just go to the next slide, please, Barb? Thank you. Sorry, I'm going a bit all over the place. She gets my notes, but there's no point in following them sometimes. So sorry, Barb. And this isn't an easy, uh, it's not an easy mindset to, to have, and it wouldn't have been easy for the disciples either when they were told to go to the ends of the earth. Um, now, if you've read this passage before in Acts 1 that we, um, that we read just before, uh, you may be fairly familiar with it and you may just brush over many of these words that are spoken about here um, where Jesus is telling his disciples to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But every single one of these places that Jesus lists um, was an uncomfortable place for the, uh, for the uh, disciples to go. And there would have been special significance um, uh, put upon every single one of these places. And, and sometimes when I've, when I've read this, I've been, been wondering what has been going through the disciples' minds as they've heard this from Jesus. I mean, we just brush over it because we're, we don't live 2,000 years ago in Israel, but we just brush over it and think, oh yeah, go to a few different places and go all around the world to, to share the gospel. But when I think of how the disciples read it, I think it would have been a, a little bit, bit different because Jesus told his, his disciples to, to, to go to Jerusalem. And I think the disciples would have thought, fantastic, I'd love to go to Jerusalem. 
Being in Jerusalem is the capital of, uh, of the promised land. What a great place to be and to be Jesus' witnesses, to share the good news of him. That's where all the academics are. That's all where all the, uh, the religious leaders are. That's where our people are. We can't wait to go to Jerusalem and share uh, the good news of Jesus. But then Jesus says, and go to Judea. The disciples might have thought, okay, that's all right. I guess I can can go to, to where all the other, the other Jews are as well. They're, they're not as rich or academic or they're, they're not as many of the leaders in, in all of Judea, but I guess we can go to, to Judea as well. Then he tells them to go to Samaria. I think the disciples would have thought, hang on, you're telling us to go where the Samaritans are? I mean, we liked the, the story that you told us, Jesus, about the Good Samaritan. Like, that's something I thought we could like, tell our children before they go to bed at night. That's a really nice place to, to think about. But we never actually planned on going and, and being your witnesses to those people. And then Jesus finishes by saying, and go to the ends of the earth. I just wonder if the disciples might have thought, hang on, you're telling us to be your witnesses to... The, to Jerusalem, we get that, Judea, yeah, Samaritan, Samaria, whoa, but you're telling us to go to the ends of the earth to see Gentiles, to uh, be witnesses all the way to Australia across uh, the, the world. This is unheard of. How can we possibly accomplish this without you here, Jesus? You tell, all, you tell us to do all of this and now you're going to nick off back to heaven and leave us. But what does he say? I will be with you to the very end of the age. This is a beautiful promise that Jesus gives his people. God won't leave you comfortable, but he will bring you comfort. He will be with you in the midst of difficulty and hardship as you advance his, his kingdom, doing whatever God has called you to do. And this is true for all God's people. It was true 2,000 years ago, and it's true for us here today. And I love that this church, our church here at Bracco, is a church that values advancement. Um, we don't have a trench-digging mindset here, but rather we will respond to God's call to advance his kingdom however he calls us to do that. And one of the ways we see that God is calling us to do this together right now to continue to, uh, to advance his kingdom is through investing into our facilities that we have here as a church so that we can create more community with one another, but also so that we can create bridges into our local community and have places that we can invite people into to hear more about Jesus. And we're really excited about stage one that I mentioned to you just before, what that's going to look like. Um, because we see uh, the possibilities that this creates to make that become a reality. But we're also really excited with, about something uh, which is stage two, which is uh, something that we're hopefully looking at doing in the uh, following years after stage one, which includes a new kids and youth facility, which we'll be building out the back. And to talk a little bit about this, um, I'm just going to invite Cass Sweetman up once more. Make Cass feel real welcome. She's been up a lot today. And we're just going to talk about this uh, really briefly together. Um, 
Now, Cass, uh, God's been doing a lot of great stuff in our kids and youth ministry. We don't always get to see it because we're uh, here in the, in the room. And as you mentioned, Brigades happens on Monday and Tuesday nights. Um, but what's some of the things that God's been doing in kids and youth ministry over the past little while? Yeah, so one of the things that was even touched on um, with Brigades this morning is that God is bringing us so many more families, um, which has just been a real blessing and really exciting. And that's across multiple ministry areas. So um, we are actually outgrowing a lot of our spaces. And um, that can be said for brigades as well. When I come here, they're looking for spaces to go into their groups. Um, But on a Sunday morning, um, particularly in our junior church, which is our three-year-olds to kindy age, so think about that age for a second, they're in about half a shed size and sometimes the biggest morning they can have 14 kids cramped um, into a shed. Now God is moving in that space and it is brilliant and it is good but it's not a big space for little ones to be um, engaging in together. Um, Our programs, they include a lot of, is that you again? It's always out of your pocket. Um, The programs that we are using that we are so blessed to use have a lot of great content and a lot of great ideas. There are awesome games um, to be played, um, which is just brilliant. But in the annex out there, which is what we call the space where we have our kids' church, it's not very big. There are random poles just in the middle of the space, poles and games and kids have a think. Um, It's not ideal. Um, We do it the best possible way we can and we have heaps of fun together, but the space is getting small for us to be able to do things out there. Um, I want to share with you, Dave said briefly, but he told me I could have as long as I wanted before. Um, I I wanted to, yeah, yeah, I want you give me the mic. I wanted to share with you um, just a couple of words to give you some context of why we need this space and and some words that we use when we're working with kids here at Bracco. One of the words we use in our junior church space is embrace. And no, that's not our women's ministry. It's a good word. But when we talk about embrace, we're embracing the kids. And that means their physical needs, we're thinking about the age they're at, they're little. We want to create a space where we can embrace what they need, teach them about God so they can connect and understand what we're talking about, but in a place that embraces what they need, right? Um, So that's one of the words leaders um, use in that space and where we're constantly reminded. With our kids' church, the word is engage. So when we're talking to our leaders and we're having team meetings, how are we engaging kids? Where are we meeting them where they are at? We can do that, but engaging with them in the way they want to engage by kicking things around and playing games is really tough in that space um, on a Sunday morning. Um, So I share those words with you to give you some context of when we're interacting with kids, that's what we're thinking about. Um, There has been a real new sense of ownership and I'm even seeing that in the brigade spaces as well as kids join and and in our kids club, kids holiday club, there's a new sense of ownership um, from our kids which is exciting. They're coming energised and they're happy to be here um, in this space and to be able to have this new building and space to be able to um, learn and grow with them would just be so amazing um, to see that passion continue and and grow as well. Um, All of those spaces, it's a church, right? Church, we are constantly telling our kids, church isn't just in this building. It is a whole church, what we're doing. Together, it is church. Um, 
And we want to be able to gather in a space where we can do that well. Um, and in this new building, it really excites me to be able to see that happen um, in a way that's going to embrace and engage our kids. Now, you'll be able to see uh, what a little bit of that plan looks like of stage two up on the screen. It's marked up there uh, in the orange, uh, by the orange uh, dots there on the screen. You can also, um, once again, find that on our, on our website if you would like to see it or in one of those Commitment Sunday booklets. Um, but Cass, as we've been speaking about advancement this morning, um, what are a few of the ways or um, one of the ways that you can see God using something like stage two of our building plan to advance the kingdom of God? I actually want to start by sharing a story with you that I had with a parent. And this parent shared it with one of our mainly music leaders, but she also shared it with me. And her child, one of her children comes to mainly music and one of her children came to Kids Holiday Club and is now coming to Kids Club as well. They're not a part of our church. Um, they're from the local community. And we were chatting with her on different occasions. And she said to me, oh, this place is our safe place. So that's from someone from the community who's been to Main the Music Kids Holiday Club and Kids Club. Oh, no, that's our safe place. That's where we want to come. This particular child changed up their whole swimming lessons for the week to come on a Friday afternoon to Kids Club. Um, and that's pretty cool. Um, and I just think that is a wonderful picture of what we already do have here, but what we can continue to do here. And when we talk about advancement, when we're drawing people into this space, um, what God can do for his kingdom um, is just so um, exciting as well. We want to draw families in. We want to draw kids in. And that looks different now to what it did when I was a kid. And we've got to be real about that because times have changed. Um, and kids think differently. We are incredibly blessed to have so much um, teaching and psychology around how kids learn well and how they do that best. Um, so we want to use that to the, to the best of the ability as well. Um, through kids, we can see lives changed, right? We don't want to underestimate that. Kids are so incredibly powerful. And I want to share a story with you as well from one of my own children. And I don't want it to sound too sad. I'm being brave by sharing it this morning so I don't get too emotional. But last year, my dad passed away. And when I had to go and tell my kids that he had passed away, um, you get different reactions from children. And one of them was a bit of an emotional mess, and that was to be expected. But they're one of them, and he's five years old at the time, he just walked away and he went and played on the ground and continued with his puzzle and he didn't really come near us too much. But suddenly he just got up and he walked over to me and he just so profoundly said, hey mum, it's okay, we need to let go of Poppy now because he's with Jesus. And I just went, whew, okay, wow, that's from a five-year-old. And then he even said, mum, can I pray for Poppy? And so this is a five-year-old who just got huge news. And do you know how much that taught me um, at that time? And so we don't want to underestimate our kids. That's a five-year-old boy. And I'm sure you yourself have stories of your own kids where they um, are just doing awesome things and their hearts are being changed by God. They can advance the kingdom 100%. We don't want to underestimate that. So these spaces are valuable for our children. Um, they're also spaces where we're training kids up to serve. I don't know if I like the word training, but we're giving them um, spaces to serve, right? So 
um, we had a, a bunch of kids. I think there was 15 youth that came and served as junior leaders on Kids Holiday Club. We've got junior leaders in brigades. We've got junior leaders um, out there right now serving in Kids Church. We want to give our youth opportunities to serve, to advance the kingdom, to give them the skills to go out and advance the kingdom. Um, so that's another um, opportunity we have as well. So we want to raise leaders. We want to teach them about Jesus and we want them to go out and advance as well. Um, now, creating spaces like this create a huge amount of opportunities for us. What are some of the opportunities you see? What's the things that excite you about something like uh, the new kids and youth section out the back? There's a lot that excites me about this. Um, if you know me, I get very excited by things and there are huge opportunities here that we have. One of them... Um, the opportunity to actually have multiple ministries running at the same time. So let's just picture it for a second. Imagine being able to drop your boys and girls to brigades on the same night at the same time. That could potentially be a possibility with, if we have multiple spaces. We'll talk about it, don't worry. Um, and we've got a few years to work it out. Um, but imagine that. That's convenient for families. Um, it's just a great opportunity. Um, Fridays, we now have youth group here every Friday night. We have Kids Club that has just started fortnightly. Imagine being able to have enough space to overlap some of those programs or have a meal together in between so there's not too many drop-offs happening for uh, primary school kids and youth kids. Um, one of the other things that excites me, and it might sound a little bit strange, but it's actually the foyer um, in the... Um, kids space there in the meeting room. So we actually have to walk into this foyer. And a foyer is really important because to me, that's the time to connect and to welcome. And at the moment, we're doing that um, on a Sunday morning, a very small space. It's great. Um, it's not overly inviting, but I'm really excited with the opportunity to have this space to welcome and connect with people um, in a space that's going to allow that to go well. Um, I'm a little bit excited too about having like an actual mini stage and a screen. Um, I know it might sound a bit, you know, a bit, yeah, that's spoiled to have that. But we have a TV out there in the annex at the moment. But to be able to think about having the youth band up more on a Sunday morning leading kids in worship, how cool would that be? Um, and to have the equipment that we need and a screen to be able to gather together um, as well. And the last one that I wanted to let you know that I'm really excited about too is some storage. Yes. <laughs> Amen. I know, I know. It's, it's important though because we have a lot of awesome resources and to have more space to store that stuff is incredible. That's good. Thank you so much, Cass. Can we just thank Cass right now? God wants to use each of us um, both corporately together as a church but also individually to be able to advance his kingdom um, for those of us who have relationship with Jesus. And I just want to um, pray right now for every single one of us that God will provide opportunities for us as the team comes up. Um, yeah, that God will provide opportunities for us to see where he is calling us to go and, uh, and asking that he will uh, help us to respond to, uh, to what he's calling us to do. His promise is that he will be with us even to the very end of the age and he has called us to uh, be his witnesses to, uh, to all people wherever we go. So would you just stand with me right now and I'd just love to pray for us and then the team will, um, will play and the brigades will, will head out um, when Alex says. Let's pray together. 
So God, as we, um, as we see from your word, you have called us to be your witnesses, um, both here um, as, a, as a community of faith together, uh, but you have also called each of us individually to be your witnesses wherever you have called us. And we thank you for the opportunities that you give all of us to be able to share the good news of Jesus wherever we go. Um, and I do ask, Lord, that we won't be um, drawn in by the comfort or ease of the world, but we will uh, respond to what you are calling us to do, whatever that means. Um, Lord, we thank, I really just thank you that this is a church that doesn't want to, wants to become complacent or comfortable or think of life just being easy, but we together want to advance your kingdom wherever you are um, calling us to go. So um, whatever that means for us, Lord, would you speak to us by your spirit and help us to respond in Jesus' name. Amen.